Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. We're doing some special Pesach episodes, and in the next two, we're going to look at uh, two chuvot of Moshe Feinstein wrote, published in the fifth volume of Orachayim, the one published posthumously, um, which deal with uh, specific issues relating to the Seder night. Um, in this episode, we start with, uh, again, volume five, chuvot uh, 20, and section 33. And the question Rav Moshe deals with is, can a woman be motzi a man, uh, discharge a man's obligation when it comes to reading the Haggadah? And uh, this really is a question of, do we assume that women have an equal obligation to men to read the Haggadah? Because what the Gemara makes it clear is that women have an equal obligation in matzah. Uh, that's because, based on a verse that connects the prohibition of chametz to the eating of matzah, and just as women are prohibited to eat chametz, so too they are obligated to eat matzah. So the question is, does this apply just to matzah or to all of the mitzvot of the Seder night? So let's see what Rav Moshe says. Let's say the man is not uh, uh, fluent in Hebrew, can't read the Haggadah, and his wife is able to read the Haggadah. It's obvious, it would seem, he takes it for granted that women have an equal obligation as men to say the Haggadah. And why does he take that for granted? The same way she's obligated in Matzah, we should assume it's true about all the mitzvahs of Pesach. This would apply to all the mitzvot. Now, on what basis does he say that? He says he, he doesn't really have any textual argument. He just takes it for granted that everything sort of comes as a package. And, you know, we certainly know, he doesn't say this, but we certainly know that the mitzvah of is tied to the time of eating matzah, that all of the ritual mitzvahs of the night are connected to Magid, and Magid is connected to them. So uh, if you're obligated in matzah, uh, Rav Moshe says it's obvious you're obligated in Haggadah. He doesn't say why, but again, it could be because of the way these mitzvot are intertwined. But now Rav Moshe has to deal with a problem which is the famous, famous statement of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi that women are obligated in the Arbakosa because they also were in the miracle, they were also redeemed from Egypt. And the problem is, why, according to Rav Moshe, would you need such an argument if fundamentally women are obligated in all the mitzvahs of the night? And one could infer from this that fundamentally women are not obligated and only because of this argument that they were also in the miracle do we extend the obligation to them, at least when it comes to the Arbakosa? We'll talk in a minute why it should be limited to the Arbakosa. So let's see what Rav Moshe says. So he says, because I might have thought that even though the Torah obligates women in the mitzvahs of the night for biblical mitzvot, maybe the rabbis didn't go so far to obligate them in the rabbinic mitzvot because of this general principle of time-bound mitzvot. Pretty funny because the Torah didn't sort of account or pay attention to that in the mitzvahs of the night. But basically what Rav Moshe says is that the reason for this is I might have thought to treat rabbinic mitzvot differently and therefore you need this reason of af ehen hayubot hanes, but he takes it for granted that for biblical mitzvot of course women would be obligated in Haggadah just like they're obligated in Matzah. Now he has to deal with a related question which is why did we not need this reason of afhein hayubotones when it comes to the issue of reclining for women? Now, you might say, one minute, women don't recline. Yes, says Rav Moshe, but they don't recline because, as we'll see, 
either it was considered that he was subservient to her husband or was not the normal way for women to recline. We'll get back to that. And if a woman is chashuva, if a woman is considered to have societal standing, then she actually would recline. And there was never a need to uh, make some argument why that is true. So why not, says Rav Moshe, why do we need an argument for the four kosot for Yeshua ben Levi, but not for the issue of reclining? And so he says the following, so that uh, why does an, import, uh, an important woman does have to recline, and why is that 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 did not need any justification of afin hayuboto hades? So he says, and here I'm going to skip to the bottom of the paragraph. This isn't a separate, independent mitzvah of haseba. Then maybe you would need to sort of say afin hayuboto hades. Ela tiknu de maaseh achilato v'shkiato shechiva Torah lahaker hachirut vagula yebaofen shehaker hachirut. So he says, listen, this is not a separate mitzvah of haseba. It's how you do the other mitzvot. How do you do the mitzvah of eating matzah? You do it with haseba. How do you do maybe the mitzvah of the suuda? You do it with haseba. Why is this? Because you're supposed to do these mitzvot in a way that most exemplify and express this idea of freedom. This is the intertwining of the mitzvah of matzah with the Haggadah that we spoke of before. And therefore, the best way to do the mitzvah of matzah to express this freedom is with cherut. So that's something that the rabbis don't need a separate reason like they were, even they were in the miracle. Since women are obligated in matzah, they should do the mitzvah of matzah in the best possible way. They should do it with reclining. He says, And he explicitly references which means that the matzah is supposed to express the cheirus, it's supposed to, the, the haggadah and the matzah are intertwined, and it's supposed to express the themes of freedom. So therefore, So you don't need a special reason. Once women are eating matzah, they should eat it in the way that most expresses freedom. But when it comes to a separate mitzvah like Arba Kosot, that's where Rav Moshe says, that's where Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi needed his special reason of Afein Hayubotuanes. So we'll get back to the what Rav Moshe says about women and reclining at the end. He says some very important things. But for now, let's keep focused on this main point, which is women are obligated in Haggadah. How does he know this? He doesn't prove it. He just assumes since they're obligated in Matzah, they're obligated in Haggadah. The fact that Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi says, that you need a special reason to obligate them in the Arbakosos. Rav Moshe says that is the exception, not the rule. That's rabbinic. But the rule is women are obligated in all the mitzvahs of the night. Okay, and then he makes a point which is somewhat of an academic point, one might say, which is that it seems like there's a bright uh, that just takes for granted that women are obligated in all the mitzvahs of the night and doesn't endorse or doesn't work with Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi's statement. It just states simply, men and women are obligated in the four kosot. And it doesn't mention this reason that women are obligated for a special reason, that they were in the miracle. And why is it, he says? He says, since women are obligated in all of the mitzvahs of the Seder night, biblically, they're also obligated in the rabbinic mitzvot and in the Arba Kosot. So now Rav Moshe says, listen, 
Rabbi Yashur Ben Levi says this idea of Avin Hayu, but he only needs it for Arba Kosot. I'm going to take it for granted that the biblical mitzvos women are obligated in. And there's a breita that doesn't even need Rabbi Yashur Ben Levi's idea, that just takes it for granted that biblical or rabbinic mitzvos the women are obligated in. So therefore, they're obligated in Haggadah. All that is very nice, but now Rav Moshe has to deal with a challenge, which is that Tosfos seems to read Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi um, as the rule, not the exception. The rule is women are not obligated in any mitzvahs of the night outside of matzah, and that's why Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi needed this for Arba Kosot, and he did not apply it to Haggadah. And the only thing women are obligated in would be matzah and Arba Kosot, and that would be it. So let's see what Rav Moshe says. That women are generally exempt from time-bound mitzvot, including the mitzvahs of the Seder night. And we do not say that because they're obligated in matzah, they're obligated in the mitzvahs of the Seder night. So now you have... Rav Moshe acknowledging that for Tosfos, women are not obligated in broadly in the mitzvahs of the Seder night, and it's only his own read of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi and the Sugya that stands opposite Tosfos. So you would sort of think like, well, then Tosfos has got to win because he has no evidence, textual evidence for his read. He's only going, so how could he favor his reading of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi and the Breita over Tosfos's clear position that the general rule is that women are not obligated in the mitzvahs of the night. So let's see what he says. The first thing to note is how he treats his interpretation and equal standing with that of Tosfos. He says, The Pirish Rishon, according to the first interpretation, meaning his own, which has no textual evidence to support it, of course they're obligated. And then he goes on, he says, but according to Tosas' explanation, they're not obligated. So again, what's fascinating is his explanation, Tosas' explanation, on equal footing. Now, again, how is he going to, though, prove to fate that, that we should come out according to his read and not according to Tosas' read? So he says the following. He says, so he says, look, the simple language of the Shulchan Aruch is women are obligated in all the mitzvahs of the night. So that shows my reading is correct, says Rav Moshe, or the Shulchan Aruch rules like my reading and not like Tosis's reading. It's exactly the language of the Shulchan Aruch is women are exactly like men for the Seder night. And if it's biblical for men, it's biblical for women. And that shows to whom Shum Rishon. It shows that Shochanach is reading according to my reading and not according to Tosis's reading. And therefore, they can discharge their husband their their obligations. And then he also throws in Rambam also says it my way. And Rambam doesn't even mention Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. He just says women are obligated in the Arba Kosot. So therefore, it shows that you don't need the justification of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. They're fundamentally equal, like he was arguing from the Breita. And it's also not in the tour. So either the Rambam and the tour don't mention Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, they hold like the Breita, and the Shulchan Aruch, whatever he holds of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, by the biblical mitzvahs, his languages, men and women are totally equal. Fascinating. He rejects Tosos's read, says the poskim assume not like Tosvos, and that shows that my read is the one that's being adopted by the poskim. Men and women are equal, certainly in the biblical mitzvahs, and for the rabbinic, 
maybe with you need the reason of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Concludes a woman can be read the Haggadah for her husband and then he just points out for Birchus Amazon, women might not have the same obligation for men so that's the one thing that the husband might have to do himself here you have Rav Moshe ruling that women are the same obligation as men on the Seder night against Tosros based on his read of Shulchan Aruch and Rambam and again fascinating that he equates his read with Tosos's read and treats them as two readings of the Gemara and then winds up weighing in favor of his own. Now, before we wrap this up, I want to go back to Rav Moshe's discussion of women's uh, exemption from Heseba unless we're dealing with an Isha Hashuv, unless we're dealing with a woman of high standing. Now, why is this? So he quotes two reasons. One is because Certainly in those days, a woman was subservient to her husband, so it would be inappropriate to lean. It would sort of be putting her on equal status with her husband, and she has to sort of be in a subservient or not able to be in anything but a subservient type of a uh, uh, position. Um, that's one issue, um, one reason. And the other reason, it has nothing to do with her relationship to her husband. It just has to do with the social norms were that men would lean and women would not lean. And then Rav Moshe goes on to say there are differences. Like, let's say a woman is uh, single or divorced or widowed. So if it's a question about societal norms, then she wouldn't lean because it's not a meaningful demonstration of anything. It's just weird. But, um, and a woman who is chashuva that has some societal standing, maybe for her it would seem to be normal and meaningful. Uh, but the other read, uh, that it's about her relationship to her husband, if she didn't have a husband, then she would have to recline. And now, in the middle of this discussion, Rav Moshe has a beautiful point. He says like this, he says, he says, the, in parentheses, so now the Bach asks on the Rashbam one minute, if it's because of being subservient to her husband, then even if a woman has high societal standing, wouldn't she have an obligation to be subservient to her husband? And here, Rav Moshe says, I don't begin to understand this. The idea that a woman is subservient was dis descriptive, not prescriptive. This was the way society was. Nobody is saying that it's intrinsically a good thing. So Rav Moshe says, do you think there's some that the rabbis want this for a woman to be subservient? You know, just in general matters, meaning maybe there are some issues that, you know, a woman, based on the sort of standard way the rabbis understood the marriage, a woman has certain responsibilities to the husband, the husband to the wife. But outside of those things, did the rabbis in general want there to be this type of dominating patriarchal, you know, sort of culture in the in the home? He says, the even it, would they want this even if it would lead to her not being able to do a mitzvah like leaning? But that means that davar tov He says besides which, like it's not good that a man should, you know, be in this dominating and domineering position vis-a-vis -vis his wife. This is something that we should not only not that there's no reason to specifically desire it. It's something that is undesirable. 
from the development of society where one could say oh this is the trafe western liberal society Rav Moshe actually says no this is actually a good thing we see that for centuries um, this is not the way it is between husband and wife and that the husband doesn't sort of go around demanding that his wife acts in a subservient way um, the ruling of the Ashkenazim that women all women in the period of the, uh, uh, you know, in Ashkenaz, in the, in the sort of uh, Franco-German uh, culture, uh, as opposed to Sfarad, were seen as having significant status. He says not just in society, but the way he reads this is more specifically at home. Were not in a subservient position vis-a-vis -vis their husbands at home, and therefore uh, they would lean. Uh, he says. Um, it doesn't, it, the point is not that women were important in society, and therefore they garnered general respect in the larger world. Maybe that is true or not, but he says that wasn't really the point. So this is a great read of which is what the Ashkenazi we show him say, all of our women are important, not just societally important. It means their role in the home is no longer one of being subservient to their husband. And now look at what Rav Moshe says. He doesn't just say this was what happened to be in their society. This was actually a positive development. They realized over a period of time, um, you know, over the centuries, men don't have any reason to lord it over or be prideful over their wives. You know, this whole male privilege and male superiority, like they realized that was nonsense. Um, and women understood that, you know, men actually need the wi their wives, the same way the wives need their husbands. This is what the idea that all of our women are chashuvot means, that the household dynamics had changed, that men and women saw each other on equal footing and not in one in a superior position vis-a-vis -vis the other. So in this great tshuva where of Moshe, based on uh, not too much textual evidence argues that women are equally obligated in Haggadah as their husbands and at the exact same plane, and you don't even need, might not even need the reason of Afein Hayubotu Anes. Also, in parentheses, argues that this whole idea that a woman is subservient to her husband that explained why women didn't recline was not something that was an ideal or desired. It actually was fundamentally not a good thing and, and undesirable, and that over history, the larger developments that occurred in the outside society, and ultimately also true, you know, within Jewish society, and particularly within Ashkenaz in the Middle Ages, in which women's status in the home was seen as more of an equal footing than men and not subservient, that was fundamentally a good thing and a good development in the Jewish home. So once again, Rav Moshe has, the, has in this tshuva some things which make us wonder, maybe he really is a modern Orthodox posek. So the question uh, continues, Rav Moshe Haredi or modern Orthodox posek, depends which tshuva you're reading, what day you get him. So keep on listening and find out which one he will be next. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z, now celebrating 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Yeshivat Chovevei Torah. To learn more, visit yctorah.org.